Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back. It has been a flurry of activity for our family, uh, as you know from our last podcast. Um, but before we jump into all that, uh, Mikkel, why don't you share one of your favorite memes of the week? <laughs> Reverse order. We're <laughs> be crazy like that. I like to keep people on the edge of their seats. <laughs> right. Just don't know what's going first. Yes, as always, there are so many good options to choose from, but the meme of the week this week comes from a safe place inside your head. And it says, how is everyone doing? I'll go first. I'm doing bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, always. (laughs) I'll go first. I'll go first. I'm doing bad. I'm doing bad. (laughs) Anyone else like to share? All right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about our crazy last few weeks? We went up to visit the kids. Yeah, I feel like, well, everybody listened to last week's family roundtable episode with all of the kids, but I feel like we need to insert what happened immediately after that episode and then the next 36 hours ensuing because that's when the (laughs) real insanity started. So there is this uh, amazing lady and amazing family that I've been in touch with for maybe three or four years. Um, And we got connected through a friend of a friend. And you can do the shout out to... Yeah, Darlin. Thanks, Darlin. (laughs) But we had last year, she had invited me to come out and speak at a youth conference in her area in California. And so we had had that in the works and we'd been planning on it and COVID hit. And of course, you know, the whole world shut down. It happened what it happened. So our, our conference got pushed back. So then we talked about doing it digitally, but really thought it would be more effective in person. So anyway, The final brouhaha was this weekend. It actually came to fruition is we flew out to California and we had this youth conference out there. So we had that weekend with the kids and then we got up Sunday morning. The conference was like that afternoon and there was only one direct flight from Salt Lake out to San Francisco that we could that would get us there in time. So everything was like razor thin time margins to get to the airport in time and then get on the flight and then get out. You know, we barely caught it. And then we got a rental car and the rental car line was forever long. And we were already super crunched for time. So we ended up getting a car from a different place. We didn't wait in the line and pulled into the parking lot with 15 minutes to spare and changed in the bathroom. (laughs) Changed in the bathroom. (laughs) Woo! That was razor thin margins, man. But it was so neat. Darlin had put this whole conference together. And and like I said, it's been in the works for a really long time. And so we had, I I spent the first, I don't know, half hour or so, like speaking to everybody as a group. And then we broke out and and Darlin had, had all of these slides and information about mental illness and things to say and how to be a support and what to watch for. Just a ton of really, really good information. And then we had a Q&A panel with uh, me and a couple of Darlin's kids who experienced mental illness as well, and then another professional, and like all of the kids, it it was the youth conference, like I said, so like 12 to 18 year olds, but all of the kids submitted questions, and we had so many good questions, and I actually really want to get into the 
youth conference and the questions, but we're going to do that with Darlin, and then later on with the questions, Sam's going to help us answer some of those questions too. So anyway, I don't want to spoil all the fun right now, but I just want to let you know it was an amazing weekend, and it was so fun to meet Darlin's family. They are just as amazing in person as they are over the phone and messaging like we've been the last three or four years. So with COVID, I mean, you haven't done a whole lot of public speaking. I mean, you did, and then COVID hit, and then you didn't. Yeah. How did it feel getting back into that? It was really fun getting back into it. It back. I mean, the last work, the last workshop that I did was in February, literally right before COVID happened. And so I did have that last big event, but then it's just been a lot of nothing. You know, things have been reshuffled and bumped, and it was so much fun to get back in front of people. I just. I mean, I really do feel like talking about mental illness is kind of my jam, you know, like this is what I was meant to do. And so it's super fun to, to get back in front of people and to see people's reactions, like especially speaking to people in person and you can see when their eyes are on you, like when they're connecting and you just like, it's amazing to be able to communicate about such an important topic. And also, you know, I tell funny stories and funny stories about the kids. So I feel like the youth were very engaged, and it's just one of my favorite things to do that. So, Well, and you were the keynote speaker, um, and so you kind of set the tone for the conference, and then, as you explained, it went on, and they did breakout sessions and different things, a Q&A mm-hmm. uh, panel. Uh, but do you want to give just a, a summary or some of the bullet points that uh, some you... Of, some of the high notes. Some of the highlights yeah. of your talk. Well, a lot of the... Th- Things that I talk about in the talk are things that we've hit on over, you know, the past year, year and a half of our of our podcast. But one of the big things that Darlin wanted all of those youth in that area to get is to really overcome the stigma of mental illness, because a lot of people are afraid to talk about it still. And especially young people and teenagers growing up, they don't really know maybe what they're feeling. They don't recognize what it is. They still, there's still not that understanding of the clear distinction that mental illness is not quote mental. It's a physical illness inside the brain. So I actually spent quite a bit of time kind of talking about how in the beginning, like, you know, they introduced me and did my bio and I have a book and a podcast and I speak and all of these other things. It makes me sound like I've always just been this you know, huge outspoken warrior for mental illness. And that is not the case. I didn't start off wanting anybody to know about it either. And I I mean, it's been a lot of years to evolve from there to where I am right now. And so I just kind of talked about it. And there were some funny things that happened along the way that changed my mind and, and made me realize, you know, this needs to be a public conversation. And so I kind of told that story about, you know, you and I are the same. I just ended up here and, you know, that is how I ended up here in front of you today. So <laughs> anyway, it was it was fun to kind of share that. And, and I think people relaxed a little bit, too, because when you're struggling, you don't necessarily relate to somebody who wants to be, you know, loud and proud about the situation. Yeah. Share your whole life information, because typically most people don't want to do that. And I get it. It's 100 percent fine if you don't want to. So a lot of times there is shame associated with there are people who feel ashamed that they struggle with it, like it's yeah. a, a defect or something. And and part of the problem, you can't solve a problem if you don't address it. And if you don't talk about it, if you don't look for resources. And that's, I think, one of the big impediments to uh, being able to thrive with mental right. illness is being to, able to talk. You have to get over that hump. 
Yeah, you have to face it head on. It is what it is. But really, being able to talk about it, but the whole understanding, I mean, you kind of mentioned you feel like it's a weakness, maybe, or or a deficiency in your character. And we've talked about this in the past, I think our very first episode, but just we haven't hit on it in quite a while. And I just want to be very clear for people listening that mental illness is not laziness. It is not a choice. It's not lack of of desire. It, it's not choosing to be unhappy. It's not a weakness of character. It's not lack of mental fortitude or strength. Like it's not any of those things. Your brain isn't working at full capacity. That's what's happening. Yeah. Like there are blockages happening. So where your, your brain receptors can't communicate with each other. And as a result of that, your brain activity is operating at like 50% of what it should be operating at. So of course you're going to be impaired a little bit. And it's kind of like, I mean, I shared this example. If you're operating at 50% of your capacity because of some type of physical limitation, like a broken leg, nobody would ever question that. But having a mental illness and a brain illness, as I like to say, your brain is operating at 50% capacity as well. It's just that nobody can see it. So you just need to understand that. There's not embarrassment. There's not shame. You know, it's just... It's just an illness in your brain. Yeah. It's like, you know, with a broken arm, you have a cast on. Yeah. And that sort of signals to everybody it's legitimate. So should I, like, walk around with an ace bandage wrapped around my head? I think we should Is start. Is that what we're going We should for? come up with, like, skull caps. And some cast. <laughs> a cast you can put on your head and walk around. Just let everybody know. <laughs> All right. Maybe that's a terrible idea. But... Your point's well made. Yeah, my point's made. And then I spent the rest of the time, because these are teenagers, you know, so then I talked about Ella and Sam and kind of... Even though their diagnoses are very similar, the way that it manifested and looked for both of them is entirely different. So I told some really funny stories about the kids and just kind of explained how that went down. And and anyway, that's that's the short of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one. So I, I was the um, I was just accompanying you. You were the man candy on my arm. <laughs> I was. I did a fine <laughs> job of <at> that. <laughs> but. But I got to observe, and I think what what I saw is when you opened up, because at the beginning, you know, you have this whole uh, room full of youth. Yeah, They don't know what's room. going on. They don't know what your perspective is. They don't know what's okay to talk about, what's not. And you got into some very difficult and serious, you know, topics. You addressed suicide at one point mm-hmm. in in your talk, which is, you know, a, a very difficult thing for a lot of people to talk about. Uh, you shared stories of when our kids were struggling. So you're giving examples of kind of priming the pump so that when we got yeah. to the Q&A, they realized, oh, we're really talking about this. We're not oh, just like yeah. superficially talking about right. this. It's like the caption, no topics off limits, no questions aren't okay. And they know that because I say things to let them know that. And it's so funny, they did a little bio intro before I stood up so everybody could... I don't know, maybe to feel like I was an impressive person. I don't know. But I had to submit my own bio. And so I had put some, like, super funny things in the bio. Because <laughs> I wanted everybody to know, yes, this is a very serious topic. We are going to be talking about suicide and mental illness and depression and hard things. But I also want them to know it's going to be fun. We can do it in a lighthearted way. And we're going to enjoy it while we're doing it. And... When they introduced me, I think maybe they weren't quite comfortable with my uh, perhaps irreverent (laughs) (laughs) 
lighthearted introduction. So they just gave the very serious bio of, you know, she's an author. She graduated. She's on the BYU gymnastics team. She served a mission. This, this, this. So I get up and I'm like, oh, you missed all the good stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm going to have to jump into this right away and let you know we're going to have some fun still. <laughs> Well, I think the young man that was uh, introducing you was probably trying to be respectful. I'm sure he was. <laughs> and you were having none of that. He did a very good job. Yes. He did a very good job. Thank you. It was a lovely introduction. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing. And then the Q&A, you know, they had them write on cards, little index cards. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. At the beginning, there were a handful of cards in the little box or the basket that they had up at the front. And then as questions were being asked... And as answers were coming from the panel, you could see kids feverishly writing down more questions, walking up to the front, putting it in the basket. And this just kept going on. We ended up with so many questions. And we didn't have that long of a time. We didn't get to all of the questions. So what yeah. we ended up doing, because I we got to stay at Darlin's house in her home. And she was so kind and gracious. So we went home that night and uh, she fed us a nice meal. And then we recorded a Q&A with her, with me and her two kids and Darlin, and we addressed all of the rest of the questions. So every single question that got submitted got answered. And there's a video link. I'll share the video link. I think there's a video link of the whole thing, the speaker and Darlin's presentation, and then the Q&A panel, and then our additional Q&A panel at the end. So I'll have to post that when I get that. Yeah. But. So it was good. I, I was skeptical at the beginning. I didn't know uh, if youth were going to actually uh, volunteer questions. Yeah. But as soon as you got into it, you can tell this is a topic that is on the minds of many, many young people. And not just young people, but older people. I mean, everybody uh, seems like they're affected in some way. Either right. themselves or someone they love. or um, It's just, it's all over. So uh, it was an excellent experience. We had a good time. We did. Ben gave us a nice meal. Shout yeah. out to Ben. Shout out to Ben. <laughs> Barbecue King. So uh, let's wrap back to our uh, podcast that we did with our entire family. I know. I feel like it was such a good podcast episode, but I feel like I want a follow-up discussion about some of the things that were brought up. I didn't want to interrupt the discussion at the time because there were so many interesting questions and answers that were happening with each of the kids. <laughs> well, let me just give a little behind-the-scenes commentary. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm sort of in charge of, you know, kind of trying to lead this whole thing. And we had six. There's six of us, yeah. Around the table. And we're all wildly laughing and irreverent six of us. Not just a normal, like, well-behaved yeah. six of us. No. There's six of our family of us. So. And, of course, everybody's a comedian. Every <laughs> yeah. single person. And so we try to out <laughs> outdo the others when we get together. So it was it actually is. really tricky to edit the beginning <laughs> of that and try to make it cohesive in any way, shape, or form. And the funny thing, like, in between all of the questions, then we just start, like, laughing and going off and joking about this, that, and the other. Our recording was like an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half, and the final edited version was like 45 minutes, because all the rest of it is just crazy laughing in between. <laughs> and at one point, I just had to say, hey guys, we need to calm it down a little bit so that we can actually have something to, to post. We were having a and good then, time, though. And then they got they yeah. got the idea, and it turned out to be much better than I anticipated, actually. I know. I thought so, too. I, we've had each of the kids on separately. Well, this is Savannah's first time, which we were so excited to have her, obviously, because you all know how much I love her. <laughs> so much. 
So it's we've had everybody on separately, but I think it is really helpful and beneficial to kind of hear how this they interact with each other and how we interact together as a family and the different issues that come up. I mean, obviously, obviously by the discussions, there are some real issues we've worked through. You know, things yeah. have not always been golden and rosy. There's been some really hard things. There's been years of tension. There's been years of difficulty. But I think, I hope what people got out of it the most is even working through some of these really difficult areas when sometimes things are hard between parents and teens or hard between siblings. I hope everybody got out of it that you can get through it. And like, you're not always going to be in the hard spot. Yeah. If you can work through it, things will get better. And I... I mean, we had so much fun together as our family, and we have for quite a while, but we've definitely had our share of working through issues and working through things with relationships with, with each other. So yeah. I hope people under see that and can understand that. Well, and I'm just thankful that we're at a point where we could have that. Yeah. You know? And so I think it's important for everybody to realize we haven't always been there. No. I mean, and Sam kind of referenced when he was going through the thick of it how hard it was for him and like, particularly with us, we were trying so hard to help, but we were completely misunderstanding the situation and making things so much harder. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that specifically on his episode, but it definitely came out again here where he was kind of like, I'd written off the whole family. Ella was the only one that I even wanted a relationship with. And thank heavens that we were able to work through that. It took patience and it took trust and it took asking questions and really listening on my end and... And also on his end, really understanding that I'm trying to I'm trying to help in the very best way I know how, even if I'm doing it poorly at the moment. So another important thing to realize, and we've realized this having kids on the podcast and even on that uh, last episode with everybody on, when you start conversations as a parent, you don't know where it's going. And sometimes there are things that, you know, are kind of uncomfy because uh, you realize that maybe you screwed up a bit as a parent and yeah. there are things you could have done better. And so, but I think just knowing and understanding all of that is important. And it's okay as parents that we make yeah. mistakes. It's okay that we're not perfect and we didn't handle it maybe 10 years ago or five years ago that well, but we're doing better now. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is every parent I know is doing the very best they possibly can. Like, it's not our fault that we're a little impaired in many ways. So, <laughs> it's our fault that we're a little bit ignorant in a lot of things. And frankly, a little bit stupid, perhaps. Because, you know, it's our first time through a lot of this stuff, too. So, you know, we got to cut ourselves some slack, as well as cutting our kids some slack, because it is also their first time working through some yeah. of this stuff. So, I think the important thing... We talked about this uh, on the Q&A panel, and I know I've mentioned this before on our episode about how to be a good, a good support person, but Sam specifically is the one that I really learned this on, that I was asking the question, like, what can I do to make it easier? But I didn't realize that actually the more important question was, is there anything I'm doing that's making it harder? And... That, when I started asking that question and when he started giving me that information, that's when we were really able to pivot in our relationship to where he felt like, oh, yeah, we are on the same team and she is trying to help. She just didn't know. Yeah. Well, I think the importance of that question is, am I doing anything that makes it harder or what can I do to make it easier? However you phrase it, 
the importance is you're asking, you're basically taking some accountability as the parent yeah. for the strain in the relationship. Well, and recognizing, you know, as hard as I try to do my very best, we are both equally contributing in whatever way, you know, on purpose or not on purpose is not the point. The point is both of us are doing things to contribute that's making the situation more difficult or less difficult, depending on what we're doing. But I was just so grateful that Sam was willing to tell me and be honest and also to listen to my perspective, too. He did a really good job of listening through that, too. So I think it's easy as parents. We and there are a lot of things in life that we do have figured out a little bit more than our 15, 16, 17 year old kids. That's the, the truth. But, you know, Max grew up and and we parented him, you know, kind of the same way we parented Sam and. And Max sailed through fairly smoothly for most of the teenage years and and into adulthood. and So we thought that that was the best way to parent, the way we parented Max. So we're like, oh, we've totally got this. But when Sam came through and we tried the same way, it didn't work because he was dealing with different things, especially mental illness. But I think maybe that's where, as parents, we can kind of not recognize how much we're contributing to the problem because we're kind of like, oh, it worked for this kid, therefore the problem can't be me right. because... It's not what I'm doing it's because not what it I'm works. Doing. Right. It's already proven that it's worked. Yeah. Like, it worked for Max, but, you know, when you're dealing with a child with mental illness, very different situation. So we really had to rethink our whole approach and how we helped. Yeah. And that's how we ended up getting through it. And, mm-hmm. you know, repairing the relationship and... And being close on the other side, closer even, I think, than we would have been. So, Well, because growing up, I mean, there was a lot of, I remember uh, reading Love and Logic and, you know, things like that. Yeah, I was where, always reading parenting books and or just, you know, independence, having a, accountability, all of those things. Yeah, accountability, natural consequences, and, you know, just kind of letting them be independent and... There were times where we realized with Sam, he needed some additional, more hands-on help. Yeah, significantly more than that. And it it took me a minute. You know, there are several principles from Love and Logic that definitely helped in trying to help Sam in the best way possible. But mostly those things were like listening and respecting back and forth, if that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the implementation of the the consequences because when Sam was at his lowest point, you know, he wasn't, he needed help with finding doctors and getting meds and getting there and like figuring out how to deal with this huge thing. And, and as a 15, 16, 17 year old, you are absolutely not equipped to handle something that big. Yeah. So you really need, I stepped in significantly more, but I do feel like all the way along the way, I did check in with him. I feel like this would be a good solution, Sam. Is this something that you're interested in? Is this something you would be willing to try? And, you know, especially with the doctors and meds, at first his answer was no. And so you just have to back away. Like, I'm never going to, you can't keep pushing it because they have to be on board with the solution, whatever it is, whether it's meds, whether it's doctors, whether it's therapy, anything across the board, they have to be on board with it. Or you just can't take over and say, look, you're struggling, so... I'm going to do all the decision-making, and I'm going to yeah. say how this is all going to go. Forcing of, is never the answer. Even when they're at that point, forcing is still never the answer. And I think that's what I learned from Love & Logic, that like you can't, you can't make people, nor should you, because it's going to ruin the relationship. 
And also it's not going to be an effective form of help. Yeah. But what I did end up doing for Sam is, you know, in the beginning, he didn't want to go to doctors. He didn't want to go to meds, do meds. He didn't want to go to counselors. And, and so then I would just back off and get more information and let a period of time go by. I think it was like a month or maybe even a month and a half from the time I first asked Sam if he wanted to try a psychiatrist and be willing to try that before we actually went in and made the appointment and got in to see the doctor because I just had to keep checking back with him. And it was never like, how about now? How about now? How about now? You ready now? How about now? You know, that's super annoying. No. The answer is going to be no if I keep approaching it like that. But it was always just kind of like, Sam, I'm seeing this kind of behavior from you. I think that this is how you're feeling. Let me know if I'm wrong. I feel like it might be something like depression. And I do feel like a psychiatrist and medication can help. Is this something that you'd be willing to try? And like I said, at first he said no. And then when I touched back, I said you know what, have you given it any more thought? Do you still feel the same way? Or is this something you're willing to try? Obviously, if we try it and you don't like it, if you don't want to keep continue with this treatment, we don't have to. It's always going to be your call all along the way. And that's how he ended up going in. I think if I had pushed it, I he would have resisted and fought on that all the way through. And there's no way he'd be doing as well as he is today. Yeah. And also, he's very personally responsible. He's very committed to the doctors. And therapy and the medication and all of the things that helped him to do well. Mm-hmm. And so even as he's moved out, I don't worry about whether or not he's going to keep taking his meds or whether he's going to stay on a sleep schedule because he's the one who already picked to do those things, even when he was living at home, which is why he continues to have success even as he's moved out and, you know, entering adulthood. Yeah. And now he does amazing on his own. And yeah, he does yeah, amazing, which, uh, so I guess the point is, as parents, don't be tied to one parenting style thinking it's the yeah. the only one right way to do it. Uh, you're going to have to adjust. You really have to adjust to each kid, especially, especially when they're experiencing mental illness. Like you really just, there has to be so much checking in back and forth. Like, you know, I don't know, again, kind of like what I said, I see this. I think this is how you're feeling. Let me know if I'm wrong. Let me know if I'm right. And then really stepping back and listening to what they say. Like there has to be a lot of listening and there has to be a lot of questions too to make sure you're both understanding each other. And the other important thing is like you brought up, uh, I think as parents sometimes we we assume the problem is with them. So all of our questions to our kids are like, well, what what's your problem and what is you, what do you need and why aren't you doing this and why why is this hard or why is that, you know, and it's all about them. And what I like about your question is, what can I do? Um, it's a totally different approach. Yeah. So I think it, it's important to take some responsibility as the parent for the strain in the relationship, if there is one. If there is one. And often... It's you know, very common, though, when kids are struggling, especially with mental health issues, with depression, anxiety, any of those things. And particularly if this is not something that a parent has experienced before, it's very hard to understand. And there is very often a a real tension in the relationship for a while there while you're sorting that through. And sometimes people never work through it because you don't realize, like both of you don't realize, the parent doesn't realize what they're doing to contribute and the child doesn't realize my parents are trying to help in the best way they know how. Like you really have to be able to communicate that. And I think the other thing that's important too that parents need to be aware of when you're helping your teenagers through mental illness is, being willing to help however much they need help. 
Like Max needed very little help as he was growing, going through his teenage years into adulthood. Like we were pretty hands off with him. Well, I would say just different kind of help. Yeah. Well, I think something else to remember is when your kids are experiencing mental illness, they may need help in different ways than what your other kids might need help in. You know, like your other kids probably don't need help tracking down the best doctors. They probably don't need help you know, figuring out medications and, and understanding how they work and side effects. Like that's, that's not something that most teenagers really need to understand or need help with. But when you Or have, even to simplify with homework. Some, yeah. like Max needed very little oversight with homework. He just kind of did it and yeah. we would help out. And so we thought that was the best way to do it is don't do your kids' homework for them. Don't really be involved that much. They need to be doing this on their own. And then we realized that with Sam, he needs some additional help. He needed our help. Yeah. And so and, we had to rethink that. And that's not failure. No. If you need to help your <laughs> kids more or less... It's just different, and I think it's just getting that in your head that it's it's not right or wrong or, you know, it's just whatever the child needs, that's what that's you need what to you do. do. I remember the kids growing up, this was always a statement, you know, kids are always like, wait, that's not fair, he got it, I want it, that's not fair. And one of the things I always said growing up is like, I've never tried to be fair, but I've always tried to give everybody what they need. And those are different yeah. things. So, like, each child needs different things, so just try to give each child what they need, and don't worry about if you're helping them in different ways than what you help the other kids, because you just do what each child needs. Yeah, that's a good point. I got a phone call this week, which is another reason why this topic has been on my mind a little bit, and, you know, reflecting back to the family podcast, is I had a friend reach out who's teenager is kind of going through the thick of it, kind of like Sam was three or four years ago, just really at a hard spot. And she was like, she's scared and discouraged and frustrated and, and really doesn't need, doesn't know if everything's going to be okay. And I think that she really just needed some insurance that I know it looks like this right now, but it's going to be okay. It's not going to be forever. And she was super stressed out too. She's like, my daughter thinks you're amazing. She thinks you're so incredible. <laughs> I'm like, that's super cool. And I'm glad that she likes me. But just so you know, Sam hated me when he was going through all of this. And he thought somebody else's mom was super cool. Yeah. Because she was just like, she hates me right now. I don't know what to do. I'm like, oh, it's, it's par for the course. Don't worry about it. So although, thank you. I'm so appreciative of the nice compliment. Understand that like, sometimes when your kids hate you, it's that's kind of normal and you can work through it and grow out of it but it doesn't mean that you're a hateable person it just means that <laughs> it just means you're their mom and somebody else's mom is cooler because they don't have to be the mom well i think every teenager at least our kids they go through a phase where everybody else's parents are cooler than you are yeah and you know and so you just have to wait it out and eventually they come back. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just remember that uh, with each of our kids. So that's yeah, normal. But that's then they've normal. got yeah. mental illness on top of that as well. So if you're feeling really stressed out that your child is, you're not their favorite person, it's okay. It's, it could be very normal. You can work through it and it's going to be okay. Just know that. So <laughs> don't stress out about it too much. You know, and we always talk about the importance of parents realizing that their child is doing the very best they can. Yeah. Which is true. But the converse is also true. <laughs> <Parents>. <laughs> kids realize your parents 
are doing the very best they possibly can with yeah. the information they have under the circumstances. Yeah. So cut them some slack. <laughs> yep. Both sides cut the other side some slack. That's right. Yep. I think that's how we got through it. Yep. Yep. Oh, you know what? Real quick, I need to throw this in. Somebody tried to send me a message on Instagram today, and I tried to click on the alert, and it accidentally got deleted. So if somebody sent me a message this week and I didn't respond, please, please resend it. I don't know how to get it back. I tried really hard. So anyway, I do look <laughs> at my questions, but you, you're just whoever you are, please resend that one. So... Thank you for joining us today. We're glad you were here. If you have questions, please submit them on Instagram at Thriving with Mental Illness or on Facebook, Mikkel Buck. If you like this podcast, rate it and share it with a friend. Remember, there are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. We'll see you next time. See you next time.